Welcome to Think Like a Dog podcast, where we explore dog behavior and psychology-based training to help your dog achieve their full potential. All right, welcome back to Think Like a Dog podcast. And today it's just Jill and I here. Millie's not on this episode, but Jill is our puppy expert. So we've did an episode in the past where we talked a lot about puppies, but this episode, we're going to dig a little bit deeper and go over some questions that we had from our listeners. And with the new year, lots of people have new puppies. I know. So I know there's a lot of questions out there that you guys have, and you may just need a little bit of guidance. Um, So Jill, thank you for being on this episode today. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited. I always love a chance to talk about puppies. So, yeah. <laughs> And you do a puppy class, right? Like in, in the center. Um, right. how, can you tell us a little bit more about the puppy, the puppy class, first of all, before we start? Yeah. Um, so I typically have them um, once one class to two classes every month. Um, they last four, four weeks long. And, um, usually my group is about five people, um, big, and I like to keep the, the class size very small so I can make sure I'm working with each individual person a little bit. Um, but each class is, um, a different topic. So we have our leash walking rules and boundaries place, and then commands and really any other things that we kind of missed along the way. Um, but it's a really great class, and um, I love how supportive everyone is of each other during the class. Um, we do a lot of different confidence-building exercises throughout it, and um, everyone always really cheers each other on. So it's, I love it's that. very fun. <laughs> I love that. And Millie always jokes around that she could never be in the puppy class because she won't be able to focus. And I'm, I 100% <laughs> yeah. agree. I would never be able to just walk in a room full of puppies and be like serious. Mm-hmm. But it's awesome for, you know, new dog parents or even starting over, you know, you're having an, you have an older dog, just got a new puppy. Mm-hmm. Building this confidence in them is the biggest thing. And that's what Joe focuses on with puppies. It's all about confidence building. It's, and that's why she even said commands. It's like the last thing they work on in puppy class, because first it's teaching your puppy how to be confident, how to grow into, you know, this confident dog that knows how to practice calm, knows how to shut their brain off, knows how to deal with stress. Um, and your puppy is going to go through stressful times, you know, that's, it's going to happen. And the, it's a brand new world. Everything's scary to them. And if you don't socialize your puppy the right way, if you don't build that confidence with them, then that's where the reactivity starts to grow. And then all of a sudden you have this dog that's afraid of people, of other dogs that doesn't really know how to deal with their emotions. Um, We recently rescued a beagle and he's now part of our best chance program. And his story is pretty sad. You know, they, he never really had any humor, human contact. They were using him as like a hunting dog. And, and now he's at that stage at, they estimate him to be about three to four. And he lacks so much confidence because he never had that, you know, he never mm-hmm. had that confidence builder um, and he never had anyone to show him how to deal with stress. So everything's stressful for this dog. Like if you turn on the lights too fast, it's it's scary. Like the fans are scary, you know? So the main thing that we're working on with him, even as, as a bigger dog is 
confidence building. So that's so important for all dogs at all stages. And I feel like a lot of this will even go into the older dogs that lacks that confidence. A lot of the questions we're going to go into, you guys will learn different ways to deal with um, that lack of confidence. So we'll go into the first question here. And they're going to be kind of all over the place. So we'll start touching on different subjects. But the first one, Joe, um, it says, I've heard a lot about fear phases and puppies. How would you guide a puppy in that stage? Any things to avoid? Yeah. Um, so puppies go through a few different fear stages. Um, their very first one is around the time where people typically bring them home. So around like eight to 12 weeks. Um, so it's important during that time that you're giving your puppy lots of direction. Um, so I always recommend like when people bring their, um, puppy home for the first time, keep a leash on them and don't, don't let them just go run and explore the house right away. Um, so then you can also um, be intentional with what they're learning. Um, so if, you know, if you're letting your puppy run around the house and they run into something or hear weird noise, then there's no way for you to really work them through that. And, you know, that that becomes kind of like a imprint for them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important that you're you're constantly there keeping a leash on them and working them through and noticing any things that are bothering them. Want to make sure people avoid is one, um, giving too much freedom and then coddling the fear. So when you notice your puppy is really scared of something, it's important not to play into that fear. Um, so for you to also make a big deal about it. Um, and humans tend to do that through giving lots of affection, um, and baby talk petting. So it's important that you work them through it and not just, um, comfort them <laughs> with that fear. Um, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And I was going to say, we talk about it so many times. It's just the, the giving affection without intention. And we mm -hmm. do that so much with puppies. It's like, we want to cuddle them. We want them to be with us all the time. Like we want them on our laps. And as soon as they cry, you know, we want to make them stop crying. We want to help them through that. And we think affection is the answer to everything. And right. when you tell like a new dog parent, like, no, that's really not, you know, it's like a, right. it's, it's hard for, for you to process this, but it's so important for your dog to look at you for direction. And again, we talk about this all the time as well. Um, but when Jill said like guiding them and making sure they're not having too much freedom, even when we adopt out our, our dogs, like we tell the new families the same thing, like always mm -hmm. keep the leash on because that leash, keeping that leash on your dog while you still have a close eye on them, um, will help you kind of direct them without having to scream out their name and like nag them the whole day. Right. Like, so you're like screaming right. your dog's name and saying, no, 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 until no becomes just a word and it doesn't mean anything. Um, but how many times Joe, have you told a new family, like, Hey, how about you keep the lead on your dog and like, you don't have to do all the screaming and talking mm -hmm. like, and their reaction was just like, what? <laughs> what yeah, do you mean? Yeah. Right. I get a lot of weird reactions. Yeah. People are like in the house, you want me to keep the leash on in the house? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a lifesaver. Um, another big reason why I do that is, um, like Andrea said, so you're not, um, continuing to repeat yourself with your puppy. Um, you're not just nagging them all day. Um, but what that actually does, if you nag your puppy all day long is it 
turns all those commands and things that you're telling your puppy just into background noise. Because if you're saying something and they're not listening and you just repeat it, they're no longer going to think that that word means anything at all. Um, so it's important to have that leash to back you up on anything that you say. Yeah. And we say, and even on recall and anything mm -hmm. else that you're trying to teach your dog, the more you say it, the less it means to them, right? Like if you say right. it once and you show them what you, they need to do, then you're putting a meaning in that word. And then when you just say it and say it again, and then all, all of a sudden it just doesn't mean anything. And that was something I really needed to work on with my dogs mm -hmm. because I have this issue of just talking and saying their <laughs> names and saying no and stop. And I constantly have to check myself like, wait, let me actually get up and show them what they need to do, like move them out of the couch or like get their leash and bring them to me if they're not listening. We mm -hmm. have a yard, like a fenced in yard and our dogs are constantly running around, like they get their free time. But when it's time to come back, I was always saying, come, come, come. <laughs> and they were just blowing me off. I'm like, there's no way they're not listening to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then now I've told everybody involved with them, my mom, Ozzy, I'm like, Hey, if they don't come within the first time you say it, grab a leash and bring them to, to just bring them back, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> ever since we started doing that, it improved their recall so much. Cause now I can tell bubbles come once and he will come back. And right. if he doesn't, I grab the leash and I go just so I, um, don't take the meaning away from what come actually means, you know? Exactly. So it, it, it helps so much and it, dogs are smart. They're going to get it. Like, especially little puppies. And they're like looking mm -hmm. for that direction. They're going to get it so quickly. If you really stay consistent and you check yourself and you're giving them direction. Um, but now mm -hmm. this other one says, what are your thoughts on puppy showing resource guarding around food and biting? Yeah. Um, that's something I hear, um, somewhat often. Um, and I feel like every time I hear it, it's always followed up with, well, I've been sticking my hands in their food and I, I've been practicing taking away their food or their toys from them and, um, letting the kids play in their food. I hear all kinds of crazy things about that. Um, and what I say is just not to mess with them at all. Um, I, I recommend switching them to eating in their crate, giving them like 10, 15 minutes to eat their food and then take it up once they're finished, um, finished eating for that time period. Um, and then same thing with toys too. Um, if your puppy is showing issues with toys, I would keep I mean, I would probably do this before they even showed issues, but I would keep all the toys up and only allow them to have them at certain times during the day when you can be watching them. Um, and if they are showing any like um, aggression or reactivity around that, it's important to have that leash on then too. So then you can move your puppy away from it and then take the toy instead of having to like <laughs> wrestle them for it. Mm. Um but typically when, when they're very, very young, um, the issues aren't crazy because they're so small, but you don't want that to build. So it's very important to address that stuff and prevent that stuff when they're young. Yeah, absolutely. And with the eating part is, trust me, you guys, like I was that person, my dogs never ate like out of their crate. Like I never <laughs> thought about that. I'm like, there's, they had crates and they used the crate, but eating was just never thought about them eating in the crate. Mm -hmm. And 
it used to be such a mess because I used to put the food bowl down and then Max would come in and try to eat Kane's food and then Kane would eat Max. And it would be mm-hmm. like, oh my God, fire drill every day, fire drill, because yeah. we would try to feed them and it would be a constant issue. And as soon as you put your dog in the crate, the first few days, they might, they might, ha- they might hate it. You know, they might mm-hmm. not even pay attention to the food. They might not eat it. But eventually they'll get it and they'll eat it and it would be the best thing you did for your for you and your puppy because now mm-hmm. you put a time on meal time. You know, you put it down, they'll eat. If they don't eat, then you know something might be wrong with their tummy, you know, gives you like an alert. But at least you have a time frame where that food is being put down and picked up. And it right. helps so much in multi-dog uh, household. Even if you have an older dog and you bring in that puppy, the puppy's going in for the dog, the older dog's food, and that creates an issue. And it's like, mm-hmm. just put the food in the crate and put the puppy in the crate and let them eat. You know, it's just, right. it makes it so much easier when you create that routine with your dog. Um, for sure. Now with the biting part, like they're mouthy and uh, uh, like with puppies being mouthy, mm-hmm. how long does that behavior, like, is it just when they're younger and like they're teething, like their teeth are going now, they're getting bigger. But then when they're a little bit bigger, like they're in the eight month stage, but they're mm-hmm. still being mouthy. Do you just correct that with like, no, or mm-hmm. spatial pressure or like taking your hand away how would you deal with that in like an older puppy that's like yeah. almost a year old? Yeah, I think um, I would deal with it depending on the situation um, with the leash, with spatial pressure. Um, I would never address it by sticking something else in their mouth, like a toy um, mm-hmm. to like redirect them to that or to the toy. Um, that's something I hear a lot. And I think that actually makes it a lot worse. Um so yeah, using spatial pressure, using the leash, um, even like redirecting them to place, um, or just trying to find the cause of the mouthing. Cause a lot of times puppies will start getting really mouthy, um, or even sometimes really yappy when they're just very tired. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe trying to give your puppy a break and then, um, try again, whatever you were doing after that break. Um, but I think the reason why biting becomes such an issue is because people don't correct it when it starts and they try all these different ways to stop the puppy from biting which is actually making it a little bit worse um and even when they're very young and they're teething i would still make it a point that their their mouths are on you all the time um and i mean there's accidents and they're they're gonna mouth on mouth at you um but it's important to address it every single time got it got it and now when it comes to their sleeping time. Like a lot of people ask this, how many hours a day should a puppy be sleeping? Like how, mm-hmm. what's like a normal range? Cause you just mentioned like when they get a little bit tired, that's when they need to be put in the crate yeah. and that's when those bad behaviors are going to come out. So how long would you say they should actually be uh, sleeping during the day? Yeah. Um, so puppies are supposed to have between 18 and 20 hours of sleep every day, including overnight. Um, but a lot of them do not get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, whoa, that's, why, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, t- 18 to 20 is in. Mm-hmm. So that means they mm-hmm. should really only be awake for four hours. Right. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. 
Right. Uh, but yeah, a lot of them don't get that. And that's sometimes why we see so many behavioral issues with the puppy because they're not spending enough time resting and relaxing. Um, and the reason why I say that a lot of puppies don't get that much is because people aren't enforcing that. Um, mm -hmm. So they're not putting them in their crates for nap time or enforcing a time for them to go to sleep on place. Um, and it's also important that we teach them how to relax so that they're able to fall asleep for that amount of time. Um, because if our puppy, if we just randomly start trying to put a puppy in the crate, they're not going to relax in it. But if we start with the crate from day one, they're going to have a really good understanding of what the crate is meant for. And you're going to be able to put them in there and have them fall asleep right away. Um, it's also important that the time when they are awake, you're making sure that they're getting mentally and physically fulfilled. Um, and for like little baby puppies, they don't need these like three mile walks. Um, you could spend like 20, 10, 20 minutes in the driveway doing some leash work or, um, doing different mental exercises with them around the house. But it's important that you spend that time with them when they're awake doing something um, and practicing things and then enforcing calm after that. Got it, got it. And now in the crate, when they're in the crate during the day, what is like a good time frame to put on when they're when a puppy is in the crate during the day? Like would you say an hour yeah. at a time or how long would you say? Um, it really depends on your puppy's age. So however months old they are plus one is how long they can hold their bladder for. So if we have like a, a three-month-old puppy, we don't want to keep them in the crate for eight hours. <laughs> They're going to have an accident. Um, they're probably going to get really anxious because they have to go to the bathroom. Um, and it's really just not fair. So I would say however many hours or however many months your puppy is plus one-ish. So like a three-month-old puppy, I would say like three to four hours would be a good time period. Oh, I never knew that. Okay. So mm -hmm. with them relaxing, I think it's important for people to realize like you have to set a routine with your puppy and you have to actually like show them how to relax. Like they're not like, don't just wait for your puppy to fall asleep mm -hmm. um, to say like, oh, this is their nap time, you know, right. or just don't wait for them to tire themselves out to take a nap or you know, like if they seem like they have all this energy and like, there's no way they're going to fall asleep. That's why we always talk about the crate, because then when you put them in, there might be a little bit of crying that happens, but then a few moments later, they're going to fall asleep and they're mm -hmm. going to fall into that routine. It's like putting a baby in the crib, like they're going to cry, but they need their nap. Right. So, I mean, a lot of times we talk to people about this, um, even for our older dogs, that get into a new home, obviously they don't need as much sleep. They don't need as much, mm -hmm. um, you know, relaxing time, but they still need that decompression time. So we always talk about the crate and don't take that away if your dog loves it, you know, and teach them that that's a safe place to be. And, and the crate mm -hmm. is their bedroom. So we want to start that from the very beginning. Um, now, um, yeah. Sorry, yeah. kind of on that same topic, um, something that I've been seeing a lot lately, actually, is people with puppies or even um, older dogs that have all this energy, they spend so much tr time trying to find ways to better tire out their dogs, and they just keep like pushing it further and further. So they take them to day camp, then they take them on a run, and then you know they do all these different things when really... Um, they're just building their dog's stamina even more and making it way harder on themselves. Um, so it's really important to notice um, 
how much exercise is is really enough for your dog um, and not overdoing it and making sure that you're teaching them to turn off after that exercise. Um, so like like what I said, creating them and using place after their exercise. So you're teaching them that off switch. Yes, absolutely. And I taught, I learned that because I was playing endless fetch games with my dog Max mm -hmm. and we would play <laughs> fetch in the morning, in the afternoon, at night. I was like, we have to play 15 minutes of fetch every single, like we have to do it or else he's not going to be happy. And this dog would never get tired. I was like, Millie, <laughs> what do I do? He's not getting tired. She's like, stop playing fetch or play it in a way that he has to learn something from it. Like he's going to mm -hmm. have to practice facial pressure. He's going to have to practice giving you, um, you know, looking at you and, and learning how to acknowledge you first before just right. barking for the toy. So there's a lot there. I mean, that you can take it so many different ways when you're doing exercises with your dogs. And that doesn't require like 20 minutes of fetch games. It could be like five, you know, but you're doing like a very intentional game with mm -hmm. them. Um, now this one here says, can you tell if a young puppy is going to be social or dog aggressive? Um, really you can't, um, you can start to know as they get older but if you're picking a puppy from like a litter litter of really tiny puppies you cannot tell based mm -hmm. on just how they're acting um around their other other litter mates is it um, when when dogs are like social or dog aggressive is that learned or is that just their personality um i think there's some debate on that i think sometimes genetics um and breed can play little parts in that um but a lot of times it is learned it's based on the experiences they have um it's based on the relationship with their owner um so i think both, both <laughs> a little yeah. bit of both and also like like maybe i think some dogs are more like sensitive right like mm -hmm. they don't have like they're they don't have that wiggle room like what we talk about. Like they need a lot of structure and like boundaries right. and, you know, they need a lot of that to be able to become that social dog. Right. Whereas some dogs can have a little bit less and still be like a social butterfly. It's, mm -hmm. I wonder that too, because I'm like, is there a way to really see a puppy and be like, oh, this one's going to be super friendly or this one's not. But right. it's just, you know, it depends. I think a lot of people get puppies and they come up with this like long list of reasons why they have a puppy. And one of them's like, Oh, the breeder said they're going to be great with children and they're going to be great mm -hmm. with this and that and the other. And it's like a lot of that is learned. So if you don't like right. teach your puppy, even though the breeder might say they're going to be great with the kids, but you're not teaching them mm -hmm. like boundaries, calm, all these things, it, they're not really going to be great with children. And that that's right. when they fall into those issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So how much play should you allow with a new puppy and other dogs? Are there certain ages or personalities and other dogs I should keep my new puppy away from? Yeah. Um, I think play should be last on your list for how your dog interacts with other dogs. Um, 
I think before you introduce any kind of play, you should make sure your puppy is okay with just calmly walking past other dogs or calmly sitting in a room with another dog, um, which is going to be hard. <laughs> um, but it, it'll take time and it'll get better as they get older. But then that's when you can start experimenting with play more. Um, just because if if the very first dog your puppy meets, they get to play with, and then it keeps continuing like that, every single dog they see, whether or not you're going to let them interact, your puppy's going to think that that dog is there for them to play with. Um, so sometimes that's where like that um, lunging and reacting to like the excitement lunging and reacting to other dogs comes from because they just think, oh, that dog's there to play with me. That dog's there to play with me. Um, so I think it's important that you have a balance of um, play and not playing. Um, and then as far as like what type of dog to allow your dog to play with, um, I wouldn't have your new puppy play with only other puppies. I think I would have them interact with older dogs as well, just so they're learning um they're learning rules and boundaries and play styles from a dog who's already kind of established all of their own um, versus with a puppy. They're very rude. So um, again, kind of like what I was just saying, if your puppy only plays with other puppies, they're going to think every dog plays like that um, and acts like that. So it's good to, to introduce them to multiple different types of dogs. Got it. And now with an older dog and a young puppy, I mean, obviously the puppy might piss off the other dog. Mm -hmm. And you guys talk a lot about correction coming from the other dog. Mm -hmm. When you're allowing your puppy to play with that other dog, like what kinds of corrections are you looking for and when should you intervene um, yeah. and kind of break it up? Yeah. So um, before you allow that, I would I would make sure you trust your your older dog that they're not going to take corrections too far or that you know to step in before the correction goes too far. Um, usually a correction looks like um, like a warning bite or sometimes a growl. Um, or even even walking away um, from the puppy. So I would step in if the older dog is giving a lot of signs that they don't want to interact or that um, or they're giving corrections and your puppy isn't listening. Because mm -hmm. if I don't step in, then then your um, your older dog one is going to learn that um, you're not there to advocate for them and the puppy's just going to keep running over them. And also, um, you want to be there to step in and also teach your puppy, um, like what that correction means. So if your older dog gives them a warning bite or a growl, you stepping in and moving them away is helping them understand what to do when they encounter that. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That, I feel like a lot of people just let it happen. Like the mm -hmm. older dog, like they might have a resident dog and they're playing and it's getting rough and the older dog just doesn't want that right now. Mm -hmm. And then you don't intervene. So that's really important to just sit there and watch, like watch right. them play, look for the, the cues and mm -hmm. step in when you need to step in. So you can advocate for your older dog and teach your new dog what that means, you know, what your older dog was trying to tell them. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's going to create the relationship and build a healthy relationship between them. Everybody's going to be learning something. So when it comes to um, your first, like they said, what should the first 24 hours, 48 hours, week and month look like with a new puppy in a new home? Do's and don'ts. Yeah. Um, so first 24 hours, um, like what we were talking about, I would do a lot of crate time. They need a lot of sleep. 
um, when they are out, they're on a leash or maybe tethered to something um, on a play sport or on a bed. Um, that's, I mean, that's what I would have your first few days slash weeks look like. Um, and then adding in like teaching different things like leash pressure, doing some socialization. So making sure your puppy is exposed to like different sounds around the house, turning on the TV, opening, closing doors, garages, um, all of that. Um, and then as your puppy gets older, then you can start giving them more freedom. So then, um, maybe there's not as many naps in the day and maybe, um, maybe you're dropping their leash more or, um, as they get even older, experimenting, taking off the leash and seeing if they can handle that, um, and just do place without a leash, um, and it, it also really depends on your puppy. <laughs> it depends yeah. on how they're learning everything and um, and how much you're working with them. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I feel like with so many people that I, especially the people that I know that are adding new puppies, like just got new puppies and they're just mm-hmm. build, you know, growing their family. It's so common for an, a family with a new puppy to just let it like, write it out and think like, my puppy's good. I don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. We don't need the crate that much. The crate at night is all they need. Or maybe, you know, when I leave the house, cause we're potty training. And as soon as they're potty trained, we can take away the crate. We can't tell you how often, and I'm speaking from someone that works in rescue. And my point of view is more into the dogs that we adopt out. And then a few months later we're getting, or, you know, we're getting those messages. Oh, they're having this behavior. This is starting Mm -hmm. to show up. Like, how can I do with this? Because they haven't been doing what we told them. So just following this protocol, I guess, like with younger dogs or new dogs that you add to your family or adopt, it's kind of like kind of the same thing is rules and Mm -hmm. boundaries teaching them to respect your house, teaching them to respect you, your other dogs, if you have other dogs, your children, if you have children. And it's just giving them that confidence to even look at you for direction and understand that they're there to relax. They're there to look at you and and you're there to advocate for them. And it just creates such a great relationship. And this is why mirror image and even other trainers that we've had on, they are relationship-based trainers. They are here to work on building your relationship with your dog. And whenever I tell people about that, especially our adopters, I'm like, this is, we're not trick-or-treat trainers. It's not like you're going to send your dogs away for two weeks and they're going to come back all trained and great. You have to build a relationship with your dog. So if you have a puppy, think about training as not even, it's like not even training. It's like really creating oh, a good like a solid relationship. Yeah. Like yeah. a lifestyle. And that's what you guys talk about all the time. And it's about creating that connection with your dog. So they're connected with you. So if you send your dogs away for, because a lot of people do this, they do the training camp or the training, um, boarding trains, right? Mm-hmm. Like for tiny puppies, like they send them away for the two to three week period. And then They expect that to fix all the problems and the dog to be like perfect forever. And that's not the case. Like you, you, they, they're going to pick up some commands. They might pick up some leash walking skills, but connection with you, that's not going to be given at those kinds of training. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that can be good in some cases, but that's if you're also going to live that lifestyle with your dog of continuing through with building their relationship and 
you know, it's it just easier on you. It's like it's easier for you to create this relationship with your dog where you guys are connected and they listen to you and they trust you other than just let it slide. And then all of a sudden you have this like super, you know, this dog that's super nervous about everything. And now you have to work on that anyways. Um, mm -hmm. And you work with all the two types, two different sides of the spectrum. You work with tiny puppies a lot. And then you also mm -hmm. work with those families with dogs that create, has those behaviors that have been created over time because right. they never really provided any structure. Right. So, right. yeah. So with your, um, with your puppies, I know a lot of people also ask, and I think it's important that we emphasize on this, who, like how soon or when is it safe for them to really start going out in public and you taking them out or maybe to a friend's house? Like when should that be? Cause I, we really yeah. need to touch on this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people and, uh, some vets have different opinions on that. Um, I would say probably after um, after they get their rabies vaccine, um, that's when I would start taking them out, um, or at least after like their first um, few, like two rounds of shots. Two rounds um, of shots, yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, I for sure wouldn't be taking them to dog parks or anything at all, but especially not when they're that young, um, because even though maybe they've had all their vaccines, their immune system is still very weak since they're so small. Um, so yeah, probably the first like two rounds of shots, I think that would be okay to take them out after that. Yeah. Yeah. And but we say like out, yeah. but not, not dog parks. Just go, right. go to the episode <laughs> where we talk about dog parks and you guys can listen on that. Why mm -hmm. we just don't like dog parks. Um, but a lot of people, the first thing they want to do is take the, the puppy everywhere. It's like, wait, wait a minute, you know, like let's take care of their health first and let them get healthy before mm -hmm. you start getting them out. But all of the things that we touched on today is a confidence builder. Like Jill talked about in the beginning with her puppy classes, she's all about the confidence building and working them to become this confident dog that knows how to deal with stress, that knows how to see the world and, and actually rely on you as their owner for this direction. And everything that you do from putting the leash on while they're in the house to not keep repeating yourself over and over to mm -hmm. giving them structure and boundaries and a good routine, this, I feel like it's going to be harder for you than the dog, right? Because then the dogs right. get it. Like they're going to be fine, mm -hmm. but it's going to be hard for you to understand that this is fine for them. And I was one of those people, those people that is just, it's hard for me with every single dog that I rescue. It's hard because they're going to, even if I, you know, I bring them in, we're going to have to kind of reteach life for them. And then it's for me, I feel terrible. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. I want to like cuddle on them. I want them to feel, you know, loved. I want to give them attention, but that's not doing anything but creating this lack of confidence and this build up anxiety because you can't be with them all the time. You can't just be there hundred percent right. of the time and protect them from all these triggers that the world's going to bring in. Um, and then we also, also talk about no furniture rule and why is that important, Jill? Like no furniture, lots of people don't care. They're like, I don't care if my dog jumps on furniture, but like, why is it important for the yeah. dog to learn the no furniture rule? 
Yeah, for a few different reasons. Um, one, because space is a really big resource um, and we don't want to give them too much access to our space when they're that young. Um, especially not on their own um, agenda. So so them hopping up on the couch and getting with us um, on their own. Um, also because it can play into some separation anxiety. So if your puppy's already very, very clingy and you're still allowing them to come and jump up on the couch with you and you're giving them a whole bunch of affection up there, that's just um, nurturing that separation anxiety even more. Um and then also um dogs think as or think of elevation as status so the higher up you are the more powerful you feel um so i i don't love it for that reason especially i see that a lot um with dogs who will like jump up on the couch and bark out the window um they feel very powerful up there so i say do not let them on the couch um mm. or even like i've walked into homes where it's a little dog and they'll jump up on the couch and bark at me to feel a little bit more <laughs> powerful um so that's something that i say d don't give it to them until they're a little bit older and until maybe they hit like social maturity or they um, check off this whole checklist of um, skills. Um, that's We have a whole checklist that we send out to our clients, um, but it's things like listen the first time I tell them to do something. Um, they walk right next to me on a leash. They understand the crate in place. Um, mm -hmm. So all of those things before giving them the privilege of furniture. Got it. Got it. And now with the furniture rule, would you say it's like no, no furniture or be intentional with the time you cuddle with them and then put them back? Or it's just like, just absolutely yeah. no, or it's better to just get down to them to cuddle them when you want that moment? Like, what would you say? Yeah, I would say, I mean, if you really want to spend time cuddling with your puppy, I would say get down on their level and do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I wouldn't allow furniture at all for a little while. And then maybe you can play around with inviting them up there, like on your terms. Um, okay. But yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, with this episode, it was just a run through of all the things that a lot of people ask when it comes to puppies. And we also have the all about puppies episodes that we recorded previously. And that one has tons of information as well. And it's a great reference. If you have a new puppy, if you know anyone who has a new puppy, send them this episode. And if you are in the Atlanta area, Dallas, Marietta, I mean, anywhere near the center there in Dallas, Georgia, Jill does have her puppy classes, but they do fill up quickly because they take in small numbers. Um, so if you'd like to learn more about the puppy class, go to mirrorimagecanine.com. And Jill also does virtual consultations. So that's also very helpful um, with clients or, you know, families that are a little bit farther away. We always recommend the virtual because that gives you a time to just talk to someone. They'll, you know, she'll really listen first and then give the recommendations based on your lifestyle. And all the checklists that you talked about, Jill, is that something they can get on the website or is just the clients that, like if they schedule a consultation, um, will, they, will they get that checklist too? Yes, they they yeah. will after a session. They'll get access to like all our resources. I think we may have something about it on the Mirror Image Instagram, um, but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, but I if you guys have any issues that you're dealing with right now because you have a new puppy, just go on the website and schedule that consultation. 
um, that first session and you can do it virtually as well. And it, it just, it will help a lot. And then you also get access to all the resources. So, um, but thank you guys so much for joining us. And if you enjoy the podcast, please make sure to leave us a review. It really means a lot to us. And if you have any questions that you would like for us to uh, read in the next few episodes, just email us at info at thinklikeadogpodcast.com. You can also go to Mirror Image K9 and click on the tab of Think Like a Dog podcast. And there you can also drop your questions, um, send a request to be one of our guests. And yeah, we'll go from there. But thank you so much for joining us, Joel. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. Until next time. Bye. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Think Like a Dog podcast and follow at Mirror Image K9 for training tips. If you have any questions, please reach out to us via email at info at thinklikeadogpodcast.com.